0: Good morning and
1: welcome to Napwick Talks. It gives me great pleasure to be here with you this morning i'm Jada Williams, your host of Napwick Talks, in your navwick blog talk radio chair just like the commercial said i have to ask you to follow like and share on all your different social media platforms if you're hanging out with navwick the national association of black women in construction or head over to our website at www.navwick.org and engage with us check out our calendar all the different events that we have going on and of course hit that Join Now button. That's what I really want you to do. Hit the Join Now button so you can become one of our newest members. We'd love to see you in your red shirt and rocking out with Nabwick in business. We also have in the studio today no other than Ann McNeil, the master builder herself, Ursula Odom of Sula2, helping you with your book writing process, and Jackie Perry of JP and Associates. So This morning is a super exciting morning because the energy is up in that world. All of our members, well, a lot of our members are heading to the airport if they're not flying out of Florida to get to DC. Why? Because in Washington, DC this weekend from today until Saturday, NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction, will be hosting our national strategic planning meetings alongside the national, um, the, the, Oh, my gosh, the Congressional Black Caucus Conference that is going on. So, yes, we are there. We are in town, and we will be hosting our meetings and reception. Everything is starting tonight. So I have to throw it over to Ms. Ursula Odom. How you doing in the studio today, Ms. Ursula? It's only me and you rocking out. <laughs> oh, absolutely wonderful.
2: You know, the the biggest thing we're doing right now is watching – the news and the weather, and hey, see you on the other side, but we're going to have a great day today.
1: Yes, indeed. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and come back. Well, actually, we're doing it a little different. So what I'm going to do, Miss Ursula, is go ahead and introduce today's podcast, what we're doing, because we're all traveling. And on our way to D.C. where we hope to see you, if you can't make it this year, it is okay. We have events every year there. And if you want to catch us at our next one, you can show up at our Billion Dollar Luncheon that's going to go on in October so you know we love our Wednesdays. It's the second Wednesday in October. Go on Eventbrite and register. We'd love to see you there. You're never missing out in NABWIC world, but it's always great. features a very, very informative panel with Lisa, who is the executive director of AIAI and P3 panel. Along, alongside panel members such as Sandra McQueen, Seth Gabriel and Joe Lewis, and Brandy McDonald, as they provide an in-depth look at P3s and how they can be beneficial to small businesses. Listen, you already know NABWIC's mission is to build lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction, but not just for black women in construction, because we are the voice of construction. So we want you to listen in and take your notes. Yes, get your notes and your pen ready. This is going to be a series, so you want to stay locked in. Today we're featuring part one on NABWIC Talk.
3: We're going to go ahead and just get started. So I'm going to introduce Ms. Lisa Bugliani, who has uh, so graciously agreed to uh, come on and make this presentation for us. Um, Ms. Bugliani, and I hope I'm not slaughtering your name, uh, Lisa. Uh, no. Great. She's Executive Director of AIAI with more than 20 years of high-profile management and operations experience. Ms. Bugliani oversees every aspect of AIAI's operations and national public outreach initiatives. From coordinating regional and national conferences to creating game-changing organizational operation strategies, Ms. Bugliani is instrumental in AIAI's rapid growth in terms of membership, brand awareness, and prolific organizational expansion across the country. Prior to her role at AIAI, she was vice president of Star America, one of the country's preeminent infrastructure asset management funds. Before her time at Star, Lisa was the Director of Marketing and Corporate Communications for Allied North America, one of the country's largest national construction insurance brokerages, overseeing the coordination and communication of the firm's internal departments and client relations. Ms. Bugliani plays a vital role in leading the organization's nationwide recruitment efforts with analytical projects and client research, current market conditions, analysis and legislative liaising to help build the organization's support structure while concurrently promoting national public-private partnerships, P3, the growth of them. So right now I give you Lisa Bugliani. Thank you so much again for joining us, Lisa, and I turn the floor over to you. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction.
4: So, uh, yes, uh, AIAI is an education and information association led by our members, who you'll be hearing from today. I was giving way too much credit. I am going to turn the floor over in just a moment to uh, some rock stars, um, Sandra McQueen from the McQueen Group, uh, and I'll allow them to introduce themselves and their expertise. We have Joe Lewis. Joe is with BTG. And Seth Miller-Gabriel and Steph is with BDO, and um, I'm going to ask them to explain their, you know, a little bit of their background. You'll find uh, the work they do very interesting, but our goal at the association is to provide information and education on public-private partnerships, and that's all aspects of the model. Um, P3s represent opportunity. They represent opportunity for small and diverse businesses, as well as communities, Uh, to which the assets serve, and government, right, giving them the opportunity to deliver infrastructure in partnership. So the goal of today's conversation is really just to share some um, information, some knowledge. How do you get involved? What are they? Um, What could your role be? And, uh, you know, just in general, have an open dialogue. So please, Seth will be leading the discussion with the other folks. Interrupt him. We love when Seth is interrupted with hard questions. Jump in, ask questions, get engaged, learn, and reach out if you want uh, more information after. So with that, thank you. And Seth, I'm going to turn it over to you and mute myself.
5: Oh, well, thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And if there are hard questions, I assure you will be Joe and Sandra answering those, uh, not me, but I, I appreciate your, your confidence. But thank you all so much uh, for, um, for allowing me to join you today. Really appreciate it. Um, I, as Lisa said, Seth Miller-Gabriel, I co-lead BDO USA's public prior partnership and infrastructure team. Uh, for the U.S., I am based here in in Washington, Washington D.C. in the District of Columbia. Um, I've been involved in P3s for more years than I'll admit to, uh, including uh, nonprofit management with with AI, AI, um, uh, different advisory roles, and for many years I ran the Public prayer Partnership Office here for the District of Columbia, uh, reporting to to the Mayor Muriel Bowser. So I've I've kind of seen this from all directions. So if you do happen to have any questions that I am qualified for answer uh, in any of those yeah. aspects, please let me know. Um, I will uh, let my co-hosts introduce themselves and then hopefully I'll have the ability to share my screen. We have a short presentation, it will not be a lecture. Uh, these slides are just so that we can have start that conversation. So please, as Lisa said, interrupt us either by raising your hand or just unmuting yourself and we will gladly and, and really hope to have a conversation by answering those questions. So to kick us off, uh, Sandra, would you like to introduce yourself and then then we'll move on to Joe.
6: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Sandra McQueen. I'm the founder of the McQueen Group. And where we specialize and work in the P3 space is our real specialty is on the community engagement side. So as these projects move forward, really helping with the public education, but also stakeholder education on the concepts of the P3s and um, and sort of how to, how to, to work and coordinate communication amongst the teams. I just recently stepped out. As the director of an airport here, I'm based in Louisiana, and just stepped out. So uh, much like Seth, I have experience from the owner side as well as from the private sector side, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today.
5: Great, thank you so much, Sandra and Joe. If you want to introduce yourself,
7: sure. Thanks, Seth, and uh, um, I thank everyone for uh, the time here uh, with you and AI, AI Lisa. Appreciate all the work that. Uh, that you guys do with education is really important. Um, My name is Joe Lewis. I apologize for the short uh, 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 name title here, just Joe. (laughs) Trying to figure out how to fix that before I got up. Um, And I'm the principal owner of uh, BTG. We started uh, the company 15 years ago. Uh, Prior to that, I was a partner in charge of uh, state transportation practice. Uh, at uh, PwC, um, and in starting BTG, uh, we uh, have been at the, um, the centerpiece, so to speak, of uh, connecting small and minority-owned businesses to large infrastructure projects, and particular, design, build, and P3 projects. Uh, so we've, we've seen a lot over the years uh, with making that connection, helping to manage risks uh, between the small business owner the agency owner and the um, the contractor uh, itself has been the role we have played, uh, and so look forward to uh, discussing that with you. Great,
4: Seth, we have a special guest. I-
6: <laughs>
2: um, I'm so excited that Brandy was able to join us. So maybe, maybe, do you want to introduce yourself and your experience? Sure, sorry, everybody, that I'm sneaking in a little late. Um, My name is Brandy Rogers-McDonald. I am with Cengage Asset Management. I'm a project director. I'm kind of involved with uh, Cengage, so I actually deliver projects. And I'm responsible right now for the French George's County. um, Great c 3 or the 1st c P3 of its time, with a six school bundle. And then I am also too a business development professional with uh, with uh, FenGate Asset Management, so responsible for kind of sourcing and delivering projects here uh, at Fingate.
5: That's right. And Brittany, what was that? What was the government you used to work for? Oh, um,
2: the, <laughs> the same one that you used to work for. Seth. <laughs> so I used to um, be a concept management um, professional. I, don't, I actually still am, but uh, I used to be an owner's rep with DC. Uh, so, DC General Services, DC Department of General Services, and delivered schools for uh, a few years before coming over to thinking.
5: There you go. And, and with Joe, who is my, my neighbor, literally down the street, the 51st state is well represented here this morning. So uh, thank you all. So what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to share my screen if I have the ability. Um, and hopefully I uh, have that. there we go. So hopefully you can all see this again. Um, these, uh, these slides are just uh, to... Um, to to start the conversation. So we'll we'll go through these, but if you have questions, comments, anything, please, please just stop us. Uh, I don't know if you, either by raising your hand or just unmute yourself and and interrupt, as Lisa said, and we will gladly answer those questions. So just to start here, it's, uh, you know, here's our cover slide. Let me make sure I can uh, advance this. my system agrees. There we go. So I'm going to back up a, a little bit so I can see everything. So what is a public prior partnership? This is the textbook definition of what a public prior partnership is. Um, it, it looks very legal because it's probably written by a lot of lawyers, but um, d- don't, don't tell all our, all our clients, um, but P3s do not have to be that complex. It is just a relationship between an owner, uh, which is a, a public owner. Um, it can be a city, a county, state, federal agency, um, higher education institution, uh, anyone who owns owned an asset, a building or road or, or, or some sort of infrastructure that people use. That contract is with uh, a private sector partner, and that partner is normally made up of different companies uh, that make up a team. So you'll have a design group, a uh, construction group, uh, financiers uh, who are bringing in equity and or debt or both, and then uh, folks that are doing the, the operation and maintenance of that facility. And it's just a contractual relationship that says, um, if that private sector team does the following things it, within the contract, designs a building, maintains it, builds it, finance it, maintains it, or some collection of all those operations, the public owner uh, will make a payment to that team. And it's fairly straightforward. We'll get in, in a few slides about the different, uh, two different variations, really major variations of a P3. But it's just that simple. It's that contractual relationship between those two parties for that facility. So what's the rationale? Why do we do a public private partnership? Why have many of us spent many years looking at public private partnerships versus any other kind of way of delivering a public asset? Um, you know, under traditional ways of doing a public asset, the government or, or the owner would, would issue debt, or if they're lucky enough to have the money, or they might do a pay-go mechanism and they go out and hire someone to design, uh, they pay them, they hire someone to do the construction, they pay them, um, they finance, as they said, through maybe public debt or different, different avenues. Uh, and they take on the operation maintenance. So why do you a public private partnership? Well, we see a few definite and tangible benefits to the P3 model versus the traditional model. Uh, one is that they, they, as a public owner, you get to transfer different risks. Those risks include the design risk, the construction risk. So if the design is not great, the risk of that not being great is onto the design cons- uh, company. If the construction is delayed or, or has cost overruns, in most cases, that that risk of delay or overruns, that is transferred onto the private sector partner, enabling them and empowering them to find better ways of doing that because it's their money at risk. That financing risk, um, the risk of interest rates changing, as we've seen recently, the risk of um, uh, making sure the money's there, equity, that is transferred to a private partner. Uh, And then the operation maintenance, which I see is the critical part, is transferred to a private partner. Meaning that facility, and in this case, think of a city hall, um, because as Ann knows, I'm working on a city hall right now in a a lovely uh, city in in Miami-Dade County. Um, That risk operation maintenance is transferred to a private partner. Meaning that building, that city hall, is not available if all the bathrooms, to be very blunt, are, are not functioning. There is a financial risk. To the private sector partner. Right now, uh, in the public, if something is working, if say all, all the, the restrooms are not working in the city hall, um, there might be very little accountability uh, to that. So there's no push to get those those restrooms up on, up and running. Uh, under a P3 model, there's a very tangible monetary risk. There's penalties that can occur if those, those restrooms are not available. So that's what we call availability payment. So you, you have cash flow management, you have risk transfer, you have Benefits to the public because they should be seeing better uh, facilities, better operations, and we take all that together to show that it's actually a better deal for the owner uh, because the results that they receive are better under the P3 model in most cases than they would under the traditional model. Um, I'm going to pause right now because that's just my textbook test view of what a P3, why we do it, uh, and ask my co-host. So, uh, Brandy, because you are not on mute because Lisa did not unmute you, did not mute you, uh, which is always a danger. Um, did, is there anything I missed in there? Like, what? why do a P3? You know, P3s are
2: so such a benefit. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I'll give you a prime example Um, I have a sorority sister who is actually a council member uh, for Cuyahoga County in uh, Ohio. And she mentioned uh, just this past weekend uh, on, on, uh, on Facebook the fact that she had taken a tour of the Cuyahoga County jail in Ohio. And she mentioned the conditions and the lack thereof, you know, with that particular jail. And one thing that she did mention in her post was the fact that she wanted to find a way to renovate or redevelop the prison, but she didn't believe that it was going to be possible because of the actual costs that are associated with it, and she didn't believe that it would be in the budget. Well, here, Ms. P3, myself, you know, um, Ms. P3 expert being myself, of course I raised my hand and said, well, hello, Solor. Um, You know, considering the fact that um, that there might be a capex, you know, or limit in some type of way as far as funding for this, this would be an ideal opportunity for alternative construction financing. And, and I broke it down for her and explained to her that this is really beneficial. And there were people who were actually on the post who said, well, it's gonna raise our tax dollars. It's gonna do this, it's gonna do that. Not necessarily, only if there's gonna to have to be a way to uh, maybe issue bonds or something of that sort where there possibly will see some type of tax increase for those that are, that are residents of Cuyahoga County, but not necessarily so. If the money already exists within the capital budget to do so, then it gives that jurisdiction an opportunity to spread those payments over the course of time, like a mortgage, versus actually coming up with the funds over the course of the three or two, three, or even five, four years that it would typically take for a project of that caliber. So those are the benefits of, you know, really having jurisdictions utilize this. We're looking forward to obviously, you know, more projects like this coming about, especially on social infrastructure, what we consider to be community-based, or even where the end user is the public. And, you know, this is creating such a value for jurisdictions out there. So it's, you know, it, I just wanted to add to that, Seth, and that's a, that's a pure reason why.
4: Seth, can I add from the other side, the benefit of bringing projects to market sooner is that Economic development within the area, the job creation and opportunities for diverse uh, and small businesses to join in on that. And I know Joe does a lot of work there, and Sandra's done a little bit there as well um, from her public sector side.
5: Right. Um, yeah. Uh, on that, let me well let me advance one slide so we'll. we'll... Get through some of the slides, but I'm gonna and then call on Joe and Sandra on that as well. Um, really quickly, difference between funding and financing, and we put this in uh, because when we get into the conversation in many jurisdiction and Randy, you can, you brought this up. There's there's a bit of a misunderstanding of how this works. Like, oh my goodness, you know, we're gonna raise more money. How how does this work? The the difference and it for all of us in the business, um, this is not anything new. Um, But we always add this slide and hope that you'll go out and you'll talk to your friends that might not be in the infrastructure business. Again, infrastructure people are the most interesting people at cocktail parties, as you all know this. We're the the cool kids. That's why people walk away from us after an hour of talking about bridges. Uh, My wife tells me to stop talking about infrastructure at parties. Uh, But the, the difference between funding and financing, it, it means a lot, uh, and especially now in this environment, it mean, means even more. So funding is real. It's, it's real money. It, it, not that finance not, but funding is real money that the public sector has. They, they get that from taxes, from fees, um, all those things that we pay to the government that sometimes we like or, or not like so much that we pay in. That's where the money, the funding for these projects come from. It, it, and the funding, it always comes from the same place. So you don't want to confuse P3 as um, free money. It's certainly not. It's not money coming from a, a different source really. At the end of the day, uh, the funding, the money that, that fuels that project is still coming from the same place, the, the end user, the taxpayer of, of that project. That does not change. Meaning that um, why I have always liked these 3 it means that the owner of that project, that asset doesn't change. It's still the people who, who are paying for it. Financing is just a little bit different. Financing is just how we get the money now, the money that we need now for design and construction. Uh, and spread that over the life of the project uh, under traditional means that that's through government bonds, you know, taxes and bonds, um, which is somewhat unique in the US. Other countries don't have taxes and bonds at, at the, the, the sub sovereign or you know, state or local level um, or, or some some other instruments of debt through the public sector. That's how things are traditionally done that the government says, all right, we need a new school. We're going to issue the debt we need for design and construction of the school. Um, We will use those funds, the proceeds of that debt issuance, and we'll build the school, and then we put the maintenance in our operation budget. That's generally where where there's problems. Uh, Under P3, that that financing is transferred to the private sector, where the private sector goes out and says, all right, we will um, either issue debt ourselves in the private market or we have equity, so someone's real money that we put in this project, and that becomes at risk and that money is at risk uh, through the life of the project, meaning if the project fails in year 20 of the contracts uh, of uh, 30 years, that initial investment, that equity is still at risk. And that's why I always like it that it brings some accountability to this that the traditional uh, funding does not, the financing uh, through bonds. So just want to throw that out there. Um, does anyone else on the panel want to say that? Uh, I always add this in as my, my educational moment of funding and financing.
2: You know, I will say, um, you know, I ran into a situation, or we're running into a situation, and Seth, I'm sure you can attest to this. Um, for instance, in uh, in that little city in Miami-Dade County, um, where we have um, naysayers, you know, per se, from the private community, from the private development community, who just don't truly understand uh, what P3 is. Um, what they don't understand it because they've never done it before, and quite really, quite frankly, they they they're just not. big you know, mega developers or developers of mega projects, so they wouldn't truly understand it. But, you know, there have been times, or I should say on that particular uh, project, we've seen where the developers have, you know, definitely talked to, um, you know, those uh, politicians and tried to sway politicians to not go with the p 3 And, of course, all of us in the industry are like, oh, my goodness, you know, what what is going to set? Get your people under control down there. But, you know, the fact is that we've, you know, what we've done is we know that we've spoken to those within um, the local entity and obviously Seth and his team and, you know, those that he's working with with WT Partnership are also, too, speaking with those in the jurisdiction um, and those other politicians to help them understand what the difference is and what the benefit is, of course, of P3 versus traditional bond financing. Now, I'm not going to say that bond financing costs are not wrapped into P3 in some type of way. Of course, again, you know, an entity, you know, the way that an authority finances a lot of times a lot of their CAPEX budget is via, you know, some type of bond financing. But what P3 does is it gives us the, the jurisdiction again. The opportunity to take that funding from those bonds and spread that cost out over the course of time, and so we should bring up the fact that it is it is a form of debt, just like those bonds are right. a form of debt. You know, a P3 is still a form of debt. We hear it oftentimes on our side of the fence where there are jurisdictions who say we don't want to add that to our balance sheet um, because it is it, it does end up on the balance sheet for the jurisdiction. So one has to be cognizant of that. Um, especially when they're um, running an authority, I'm sure Sandra can you know really speak to that as well.
6: No, absolutely, yeah. No, I mean it is a it is a form of debt. Um, you know, the P3 I was involved with in Alexandria, Louisiana, so a, a small community about 50,000. This was actually what we would call an outside the fence project at our airport, and it was a multifamily housing. But one of why P3 was so attractive to us, or using the framework of a P3 was that our bonding capacity as an airport authority, we're an independent authority, so we weren't part of a city or county, was very limited. And so what this allowed me to do in this model was to take the few million dollars that I had available to me and bring that into a project and work with the private sector to do a $30 million investment. I would have never, and and provide funding for that that we would pay out over time based on the, the rental rates, but that's the kind of project I could have never built myself as a public entity. So it is a way, from our perspective, to sort of leverage our limited funding and do these larger scale projects in a community of this size. And then I'll just add to what Brandy said: the key, though, success on this, which even I underestimated um, in the project, is is the community engagement. The private developer community fears what they don't understand. And they feel like if they don't understand it, they won't be a player in that space. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to, to ease a lot of the tensions and, and all of that. And so that's, you know, that community engagement piece um, that, that friends League to is, is really critical in this because people fear the unknown.
8: Join the National Association of Black Women in Construction as they host another virtual billion-dollar luncheon on October 5, 2022 at 11.45 a.m. This luncheon will introduce small businesses to public-private partnerships, also known as P3s, and the difference these partnerships can make to their bottom line. You will learn about the opportunities for smaller firms to do business with state or federal agencies and higher education institutions who are looking to partner with private teams to complete million to billion dollar projects. Meet and hear from public entities such as Sandag, Georgia Department of Transportation, and more as they share more than $1 billion in contracting opportunities. Go to Eventbrite to register. Just search for NABWIC and look for NABWIC Billion Dollar Luncheon. Register today to join us on October 5th, 2022
5: at 1145 a.m. All right. Let me go one slide because we, we've kind of led up so far to this: this value for money of why why is P3 a better deal? Um, we use value for money just because it sounds cool, I'm convinced, and we, we try to um, – you know, it's, it's a little good public relations. But, um, you know, what is the benefit, the upside? And it, it really comes down to this risk transfer of um, the traditional means of government procurement, and, you know, as said, many of us have been in government procurement before, it's always what what's the lowest bidder, what's the lowest price? Um, and I will humbly submit that 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 model that lowest price model has has achieved us achieved the wonderful infrastructure that we have today in the united states and I, I say that uh very jokingly that the infrastructure is not not good things are 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 broken uh, you might be living in places where things are very broken, um, and that a model of let 's invest as little as possible in this infrastructure and not maintain it and that that has not gotten us anywhere. Um, we need, as, as a, a country, as a wider community, to try to get the best value for the money we're investing. And if that means we need to invest a little more money and do it over a longer period of time, uh, that's what we need to do. Because it actually works out to be a much better uh, benefit, a much better deal for all of us and our, our children going forward if we invest a little more money. And we see P3 as an opportunity to do this that through uh, long-term maintenance, actually paying attention to what's going on and transferring risk to private parties that are best able to mitigate that risk, uh, address that risk, we actually get better value. So the the overall cost is lower over the life of that asset, and we have to start thinking in terms of decades, uh, not just tomorrow, but we're going to have that road. We're going to have that road for 20 or 30 years. That building might last 100 years um, if we are able to maintain it, and that's the the value for money, so not just lowest cost. some of the delivery models. There's a lot of acronyms. Um, I always show, This is where I joke. Saying I am from Washington, I am here to help you. So I bring a lot of acronyms because that's that's what we do here in D.C. Um, you will hear if you get involved in a public-private partnership or innovative project delivery model, uh, project. All these different acronyms that go up from design, bid, build. Uh, you know, all the way up to um, you, know, total sale of an asset. We're not here to a- advocate for that at all. Um, at its core, at its purest form, it's a design build, finance, operate, maintain. But there's different ways of doing a P3. It could just be a design-build contract where you have a contractor who's taking on that risk for on-time, on-budget delivery. And then you marry that up with a a fairly long-term operation maintenance. So you could, uh, to Brandy's point, you could have financing that is both public or private or a mix of financing. You could have a project that is a design-build with financing that once that asset is built, it is transferred to the public sector and the private sector takes on the operation maintenance. Um, I advocate that there's different ways of doing this, that just not one answer for a P3. There's many ways of doing it. Um, in its highest form, though, is the design, build, finance, operation, maintenance, a long-term contract, multi-decade agreement, which leads to, um, I believe anyway, a lot more opportunities uh, for businesses like yours to get involved. Because now you have many, many points of opportunity. You could, your business might be involved in design, it could be designed in construction, heck, it could be in finance, I know firms that are involved in finance, or it could be in a many decade operation and maintenance contract that goes on for 30 to 88 years. All those places are opportunities for you to get involved in a public private partnership that might not exist under traditional uh, procurement models. Um, with that, I want to plug Joe, uh, not just because uh, I don't want to meet him on the sidewalk walking my dog, and he'll tell me I didn't let him say anything. Uh, but, Joe, I feel like this is where your business really is, is finding those opportunities.
7: Yeah, um, and just as, as government um, owners across the country are finding more ways to, to fund these projects because the infrastructure needs is just so enormous, It's also having an impact on how they do procurement, which is what we're talking about here, which in turn has an impact on as a small business, how we um, get involved in that procurement. It looks very different. And I think having sessions like this is very helpful. Um, There was actually a, a, uh, a comment made that I was taking a look at in relation to financing the work uh, the procurement. How do you get involved um, upfront? And for a small business, it is hard. Uh, but I think the the purpose of something like this, where we're, you're really understanding the the length of the procurement process, what's happening at different phases, um, and where you fit in in terms of the capability that you bring. If you're involved in operation and maintenance, um, you pretty you know that. That opportunity is not going to come, uh, even though the project is out there and, and until maybe two, three, five years down the road, depending upon the size of the project. But understanding that that opportunity is coming, I think is the important part and how all of this breaks out across the board. And then later on, we'll talk about that in the, in the presentation. But I think it for small businesses, it's also a risk and um, a risk decision for small business owners on how and when um, you want to get involved and how you p- would prepare for that.
2: And I also say something? Um, I will tell you from the developer and equity side, this business, while construction has been incredibly slow with getting on board with you know minority participation and it has done better over the years and has continued to grow. I will tell you that this particular industry is one of the last industries to really bring in minority participation. And really, quite frankly, um, social infrastructure is really forcing that and forcing their hand because the local jurisdictions, obviously, with municipal projects do require that, whether it's public-private partnership or a typical or traditional CAPEX type of project. I will tell you, um, in order for us to see more minority businesses across the, business, across the the industry, and especially in social infrastructure, it really does take a number of advocates. I know that we over here at AIAI, AI, you know, oftentimes we have a diversity and inclusion committee, you know, which Joe actually heads up, along with Angela, you know, and myself is also, too. I just joined that committee. There's a number of us on the committee that really do advocate for the utilization of minority and small businesses on these particular projects. Now, I will tell you, on the O&M side, that's probably the hardest part of this business to get involved, um, and, uh, and that is because um, the O&M side, a lot of these firms, there's only five firms that actually, I think it's five, this is, oh, really, five of the big ones or so, really like two or three that we see on social infrastructure, for instance, and they're really new to this. So, with we, we are forcing their hands. I will tell you, you know, in in this space, with forcing them to really work with small and minority businesses. I'll also be honest and let you know that many in the past have probably written into their cost penalties associated, and I'm sure many of you know this, if you have worked in the construction industry for quite some time, if you've worked with some of the larger contractors, they've even written into, I know in D.C. government it used to happen in the past, that they would write in penalties associated with any – if they did not meet, whether it was certified business enterprise or GBE or whatever it is. The same thing has happened along the way here on this side, but – what, we, what they're starting to do now is get acclimated to the fact and, and understanding and we're working with Honeywell to have them also to understand, you know, the value of reaching out to the community, creating outreach, utilizing their DEI individuals that are here in the States to help them truly understand the value of working with small businesses. And I know JCI is doing all that they can as well as Johnson Controls in order to really understand the value of working with small businesses. So I will tell you, it's not the easiest thing to do. We over here on our side are pushing continuously. But in order for you to really put yourself in front um, of those businesses to really understand, one, you probably need to come to conferences like Lisa and I are sitting here, you know, today. And and I know that they're not um, the cheapest, uh, you know, type of um conferences to come we have discounts and comp passes though because we want
4: to encourage participation and learning so reach out because we can
2: find a way yeah so it's um you know I, I, i certainly encourage you to get to know individuals such as myself who you know source these deals and who are sitting at the table or actually creating the table you know for these projects you know with the teams pulling teams together and also to speaking to, um, you know, my partners that are design build firms and and holding them accountable and letting them know what we want to see or what we desire to see, you know, here at Cengage. In addition to that, you know, not just myself, but also individuals like Seth, you know, who are consultants, who also talk to the local jurisdictions, Lisa and Carol, of course, you know, at AI, AI, you know, um, become familiar with who they are. Joe, of course, you know, um, know, considering the fact that he is compliant on projects like this and can oftentimes make introductions to individuals like us. So, you know, the more marketing that you do and the earlier that you start, if you are, um, you know, if you're not on publications or if you're not looking at publications, I encourage you to become a part or be a subscriber to P3 Bulletin. P3 Bulletin does tell you what's actually out there and what's going on in the industry. It'll let you know if there's a jurisdiction that's looking for consultants, which is the first sign of, aha, there's a P3 coming because they have put up the RMP on the street for consultants. And also, too, I want everybody to understand that if you're in construction management, you know, you're not necessarily a GC or a subcontractor. There are opportunities also, too, where perhaps, you know, you could create some type of value with consultants you know, maybe with a WC partnership or a JLL or a AECOM or a Jacobs. We have um, in Prince George's County, I will tell you um, for the second tranche, um, Prince George's County has done a really good job, really, really good job. They've actually hired uh, Kathy Dixon, who is a minority architect in order to serve or to be, basically be the contractor for the consultant for the technical side. And what she did was Kathy got on board early. She started talking to different partners out there, like the Seven's of the world and like the WT partnerships of the world. She's with Arcadis. Arcadis is a large technical advisor for P3s. What she did was she went and got uh, she went and became familiar with individuals at Arcadis and started talking to them. And 18 and they won the consultant side, which is really historical, I will tell you, from being a black woman leading that team and being the technical advisor for Prince George's County on the alternative construction financing for the schools. And that's the number two project, not the one I'm working on, but the one that we'll be bidding that's coming out in the fall. So you have to start early, very early, and you have to build relationships now for when people are ready and when those projects do come about.
0: Yeah.